This is the Pindrop Group Community, the show about Pinellas County and what is usually our local businesses that we know and love here. Today we're kicking off our book club series. We read a lot of books and we want to share them with you because also the local business owners that we know and love read a lot of books. Today we got a chance to talk to Sharon Feckety, the author of The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and Business. Sharon is a local leader. She really takes the day and makes it about what's great in the world. And I, I truly look, look at her for that. Sitting down and talking about her struggle with depression and suicide and raising awareness for people out there, especially here where she can make a difference, where she has boots on the ground, it's inspiring. And I really hope you enjoy our discussion. The links below in our um, description of the episode, you can find her book on her podcast for free, where she has an audio version. You can find it on Amazon and also connect with her through social media. So we're talking about the broken road to mental health in life and business. Did I get it right? Yes, Yes. you did. All right, good. You killed that. I was nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you listen to it. So I'm Sharon. This this is Sharon Feckety, our oh. author of the latest in Pinellas County. Um, I'm not allowed in certain bookstores, though. <laughs> oh no! Just kidding. Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever going to know. Wait, yeah, we, yes, we're there's only one. Ready on a roll <laughs> over here. So bear with us. <laughs> Nothing should be serious about mental health. Yeah, if you can't laugh. You'll cry. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to laugh. You have to laugh at... I feel like you have to laugh at everything or you will have poor mental health. Like, yes. you can't be serious all the time. No. Yeah. Did you listen to our last podcast of Driving to... Yes, I did. Was it funny? Yes, it was funny. Did you hear when we went to Starbucks? Yes, I did. And then we got the Starbucks. Good. <laughs> That's all, you know? Because we think like, oh, well, let's record after we go to Starbucks. But really, you just hit stop. Yeah, then you... And then yes, pick it up when it's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I listened to all of them. So you listened to the podcast, but you couldn't you couldn't listen to it with the kids in the car, did you? I listened to it while we were playing in the driveway. Is that not a good thing? Why? I'm I don't know. The kids listen to it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's, it's fine for me. In my book? I don't know. On the podcast? Well, I was talking about suicide. Are you talking about your podcast that's no, Starbucks sorry. or the book <laughs> podcast? I've already changed conversations in my oh. book. You weren't there for that? Like, what are you talking about? You were. you were talking about media. <laughs> no, sorry. I was talking about you listening to my... The, oh, the, no. So I recorded my book. Let me be clear. Let's right? rewind, yeah. The Broken Road. <laughs> to mental health. In life and in business. The podcast. So I recorded it. Yeah. On my podcast. Yeah. Why, you ask? So everybody could have access to it. Because I didn't, I don't, I didn't write this book to like, you know, well, I'm become wealthy. you did because I wouldn't have read it yet. Oh, you would have. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. You, of course. Karma I to rip pages out of books. Oh, so the thing would have been tattered. I would love to see that on a Facebook Live. <laughs> Carmine ripping my book up. I'd actually give you one for that. Okay, good. So, we are talking about the book. You're okay. interviewing me. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, I love it. Did you see that? There's an audience here. We're doing this live from Barnes and Noble on 86th and 2nd. 
This is our, we're at our book club. We're at our book club. And yes, I did listen to the book on the Dr. Whisperer podcast. And I really went into it thinking I was going to listen to just any old book about mental health. And before you know it, I'm freaking sobbing in the car. Aww, <laughs> I'm, like, you did. I'm like, this is the saddest thing right now. But it ha- I'm like, it has to have a happy ending because I know you and you do have a happy ending. <laughs> so when people say to me, you're happy I'm, now. I am. I've been happy for 25 years. So maybe if- this podcast is imperative before you read the book to know that Sharon <clears throat> is good now. <laughs> if you're going to go down that road with her, it's going to be okay. Because I was well, like, yeah, oh I mean, God. you could just look at the the chapter list and see that you yeah, know, I was on say yes to the dress. It yeah. wasn't all bad. Yeah, it was just bad in the beginning. Yeah, well, it's not bad anymore. Well, I didn't think it was bad. You thought it was bad. Say yes to the dress. No, oh. I'm saying that what you read, <laughs> what you listened to in the beginning, of course, yeah. was bad. It was the yeah. first part of. Well, yeah, we, we my have journey. to go through your whole story. Yes, and I think the thing that really hit home for me because I feel like when you read books like this or maybe it's just this book you'll have your own personal experience with it Mm -hmm. and um, when you described your childhood and how you didn't grow up in you know you you said something like I would like to tell you that something happened to me or that I was abused or that I had all my parents or all because it would make sense then because it would make sense but that necessarily doesn't have to happen Mm -hmm. and I guess my mind kind of split and I was like well (laughs) yeah as we shoot Listerine (laughs) I have a Listerine gun better than correct (laughs) I thought about um I thought about how not only am I a child who came from a place where, okay, maybe it wasn't perfect, but it also wasn't awful, you know, and it wasn't like the things that I've struggled with, I could say, well, it's because of this or it's because of that. Like it's a, mm. do you know what I mean? There, there was nothing that I can pinpoint and really say that one event happened to traumatize me. And then also I'm a mother and I'm going to be raising children in what I would hope is not an effect, like something that's not traumatic for my kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe the answer to that is to make sure we talk about mental health. Thank you. Yeah. Because even at a young age, like, how are, how, what are you thinking? What's going on? I don't know what these questions would be, but it really opened that floodgate for me, which is like, well, okay, we should be talking about this now. Yes, because yeah. so I had Cooper, my, I have a 15 year old stepson, and I, for my birthday, I had him read my book. Oh. That's what I asked him for. And then to summarize it, and he did. Oh, he did. Oh, my oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty precious. I, uh, I haven't read it since because it was too so emotional. I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. But he did summarize and underlined, you know, like a true 15 year old yeah. that's just learning about how to take notes properly. Oh and, um, it was, I wanted him to read it because I think the worst part is that we, we all try to protect our children. That's yeah. generations and generations of people protecting us from reality. Reality is not what people say in the movies or what we see sometimes. Reality can be hard and reality sucks and high school sucks and kids are mean and they say mean things and if you are not like everybody else or you're different or whatever it is for me it was you know uh, acne and I was uh, chubby 
And so I use my personality, my glaring, wonderful personality, <laughs> to, um, I don't know why they're laughing, I mean, it is. <laughs> but to, I, I was grateful that I had that from my family, so I was still, um, you know, it was, it was popular in school, but I was always insecure. My self-esteem was so low, and I didn't know who to talk to about it, because I grew up in a family where... You don't pay that much attention to how you look. My parents are Irish immigrants. You know, there's more important things like your brain, you know, which, yeah, it's important, but shit, it'd be nice if I look good too, you know. And to a teenage girl, that's very important. So it was very difficult. Plus, my parents were the only, like, Irish immigrants, so... Oh, yeah. Like, I walk... I was the only kid that walked to school. Oh, really? Yeah, like, in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Uphill. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But I, it wasn't like, we weren't spoiled, you know. I was the sense. only kid whose father chased the school bus in his robe and underwear when I missed it. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Surprised you didn't write a book. <laughs> it's, it's Not yet. Done. Don't worry about it. But yeah, so I think that if we, if we try to hide things from our kids, then they will try to hide things from us. Yeah. So if we try to protect them from everything that's happening in the world then that's not a real relationship. Like, Cooper knows with me, he's read my book. So when he lost his AirPod the other day that I bought him for Christmas, Uh he waited three weeks to tell me, which was a problem for him because I've already told him, like, if I was as bad as I was in my book and you lost an AirPod, you think I'm going to care? Yeah. Not so much. Like, you're not sneaking out of the house. (laughs) You're not doing any of the things that I did when I was 15. So you think about it. So you just be honest, though. So, like, trying to have this honest communication was really important. But it was nobody's fault. It was just, you know, plus I was addicted. And then I went to a bunch of rehabs. A bunch. How many? Two. Well, they were fun. I had a great time. I really did. I mean, I would check in now if I could. It would be so good. It would be really good. Like, just check in for 30 days. What you do is you work on yourself, and you have people around you that are just like you. It's fantastic. It would be like, we can have an entrepreneurial rehab right now. We could just, like we're doing now, talking about business and how we're crazy about what happens um, sometimes in business. Oh my God, they're taking pictures. We're talking about mental health. So let me talk about suicide. Take a selfie. So, (laughs) hold on, is that my good side? When I tried to kill myself, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not the freaking side. So adorable. So, I went to two rehabs. I'm okay. just doing this for your audience. That's okay. At a halfway house and a mental hospital, which I used to call a sobering up station because that's what I was told I went to. And then when I figured it out. Oh. Why? Why were they telling you that? Because they didn't want me to feel bad. Oh. That I, my parents told me. So, oh, it's continuing. Every, yes. Everybody's protecting, protecting. Yeah. Even when I was in a mental hospital, they're like, it's just a sobering up station. But I was like, but I'm already sober. I just came from a rehab. Yeah. It was like a holding place before I went to a halfway house. Okay. So people were like screaming in the middle of the night. Like, oh. I'm in a mental hospital. You hear people screaming. Wow. And my parents came to visit me at this mental hospital. And we're sitting outside on this bench. And, you know, there's screams. It's all you hear. Yeah. And my mom, I could see how upset my mom was. And I was like, no, mom, good. they're cool. Like, cause it didn't. I was so used it to craziness. Yeah, you in my life that it didn't even. I was like, yeah, you know, people scream at night. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then I went to the halfway house. So that was three and a half. 
with the mental how sober old, obsession. How old were you then? I was 19. Oh so, well, 18 was my first rehab, but they were little like day camps because my parents spent a ton of money to put me in rehab. Right. Cost a lot of money. When you go to Seafield Pines in New Hampshire, you know, I mean, it wasn't like they were sending me to the really hardcore ones. I went to a, it was gorgeous. It was like a beautiful resort for adolescents that drank too much. I had a blast. I dated John Siafi and Todd, I can't remember his last name. And I had two rehab romances and I followed one of them home. He didn't ask me to. Oh my God. And then I went to another rehab because I was mandated. Oh, was that the good one? They were both great. <laughs> I mean, it was, you think about, it's horrible when you're going to a rehab, right? Nothing sounds good about going to a rehab. Yeah. But once you accept the fact that you're there, you're literally around people that are funny, mm-hmm. that are insane, you know, that have done, they have great stories about like jail or whatever the heck they went through. Yeah. Stealing and all that stuff. Interest, you know, this is why we watch movies. I was in a movie in a rehab though. <laughs> So I'm surrounded by people that were just like me. Yeah. Now we had to stop drinking and doing drugs together. So what did we do? We got up, we did meditation, we did yoga, and we talked about ourselves all day long. It was fantastic. <laughs> Rehab is fantastic. It's worth every penny. But they are very expensive. It was like, I think it was like $25,000 each rehab. And then I was mandated from the second one to this halfway house in Poughkeepsie, New York. Oh, that's a fun place. That's what they called it, Poughkeepsie. 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 But <laughs> I know. It was pretty ghetto fabulous there. So I think one of the lessons that you taught me was that we don't have to necessarily have this awful problem that our family is afraid of or that we're afraid of in order to talk to somebody if we need help. Yeah, like, it's such a problem. I see so many people having a hard time with going to get help. Yeah. Like, we should all be talking to somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because what we have to deal with on a daily basis, just in the world, or taking care of kids, or being married, or... We should be or, talking. It doesn't... We should be talking. Yeah. We should be, should be communicating. To each other, at We least. shouldn't be pretending everything's great. Right. Exactly. Because that's what we see. Well... When I see pretending, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, something wrong with you. It's no, it's no need to pretend. That's Michelle Turpau. No, good. This is a group. This group podcast. This is our book club podcast. Yeah, we just started it today. Just now, we had no idea we were doing it. Yeah, we have a book club and podcast. Well, yeah, it is important. Yes. Well, look at what happened this morning in the coffee connections. You know, it was like I said that I was sober 25 years. Then somebody else said they were sober 20 years. Uh-huh. And then a girl came up on the DL at the end and told me she was sober two years. Oh, wow. And so when you are humble enough and vulnerable enough in front of somebody else to admit what happens between your ears, uh-huh. it will automatically open the door for somebody else. So now it's like I'm 25 <clears throat> years in. Right. I, I don't feel that way anymore. But if I give somebody an opportunity to go, it's okay Like if you have to get help or if you have to talk to somebody go to therapist or whatever it is you have to do climb a mountain yeah you know well I think a lot of people don't have the security within themselves when they get sober mm-hmm. because maybe their family or the people around them were like okay you're sober now let well, let's move on from that yeah you know like okay mm-hmm. we're we're past all of that meanwhile it's mm-hmm. something that you're always dealing with you know right. maybe not the way you were in the beginning but it's a part of you, and now you want me to take it and put it in my back pocket and never talk about that time. 
So Well, people are actually still very sick when they stop drinking. Because yeah. imagine that's why they drank. Right. And did drugs. Right. So now I don't have alcohol and I don't have drugs, but I got this Listerine Sprite. <laughs> no Tic Tacs. <laughs> no Tic Tacs. Taken everything away from me. No shopping for shoes. So, you know, and you have to be in your head all day. You don't have an escape. So what I found, and this is definitely the message that I want to uh, put out there, I've been in a bubble for 25 years having a support where I talk to people about how I think, how I feel every day if I want to. Mm-hmm. And tonight at 6.30 I will go and I will lead this big book study that I do with this guy Rick and he's been sober a long time and we help other people learn what we learned. And it's this great design for living. It teaches you how to not be an asshole, how to be <laughs> accountable, how to not lie to people, how to honor other people, how to be happy for people, how to... Um, well, who goes to that? Like, where do you, where do you go There's, like, that? so many of them. You have, there, there's one right down there. There's one two blocks away. What's it called? AA. AA? Yeah. You didn't call it AA. But what did you call because, it? Because, so, I, I'll tell you, so your podcast now, when I was going to write my book... Okay. <laughs> Oh, Lord. (laughs) I've been in this 12-step recovery. That's why I said it all the time, was 12-step recovery. Because what happens, perfect example would be like a Demi Lovato. Okay? Demi Lovato goes out and she starts shouting out about how she's sober and she's in AA. And then she relapses. So instead of people blaming her own self for doing that or you know because she is a has a problem actually she's a sick and suffering addict and alcoholic which i care for very much it gives this 12-step recovery program a very bad name right because people i know this is shocking to hear but they're very small-minded so the reason that this program in particular has worked so well for 80 plus years Mm -hmm. is because nobody's in charge which is fantastic. It's okay. free, and there are no rules. So do you have to be a recovering no, alcoholic I mean. to go? So, that's interesting. You can, co- you can come and hear me speak Saturday night uh-huh. at Blind Pass in St. Pete Beach because it's an open meeting. Okay. So that means anybody's welcome. Okay. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking or to stop drugging. So anybody is welcome in open meetings. But then there's closed meetings because people want to protect their anonymity. Mm -hmm. Like, I would never talk about somebody else's being sober. That's inappropriate. I could talk about me all day long. Right. But I never did because I was told that's you don't do that. Okay. But what I started seeing, and this is the point I was trying to make, which I take a very long time sometimes to get to a point. <laughs> I promise there's one hidden in there somewhere. <laughs> she looked at me right away. Yeah. The point is that I started seeing people dying by suicide way too much. And it was definitely sparked by, like, you know, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and the other people in the community. And I didn't understand because I've been in this protective a community of people that have no problem talking about what's going on with themselves. Like right. we, we're like, yo, what's up? What fucked you up? Like that's how we introduce ourselves, and it's fantastic because there's no judgment, and everybody right. like welcomes each other, and we support each other, and we would do anything for you, and there's no expectations. It's all love mm-hmm. because we've been there, right? So 
when I realized in business, when I started hearing what everybody was saying about these poor people that died, and here they were, celebrities, and you have everything and you died. Well, guess what? People that have everything are depressed, <laughs> have anxiety, um, are bipolar, are alcoholic. Yes. Yeah, so there's so much. I was like, oh, my God. You people that are not alcoholic or addicts, what do you do? <laughs> you know, like I really was, it hit me so hard that I had this. I've also, of course, working with the medical industry and working with doctors, mm-hmm. I end up being more of a, um, somebody that they can share their most intimate stuff with because it's very difficult when they have such a high priority job to talk about the things that are going on at home because they're always trying to help others. So when I realized that there's a real issue in terms of, so say, say it was just depression I had, and I, I wasn't a lucky me, drug addict, and an alcoholic. <laughs> so lucky I have it all. I've got all of them. <laughs> I would, what would I do if I was just depressed, right? So I went to a therapist. Uh, EAP counselor, Ben, who just emailed me recently, which I should do a video about. Um, he, I sent him my book, mm-hmm. so he got to read the whole chapter. He hasn't heard from me in 25 years. Oh, wow. I know, it's pretty special. Pretty special email. Alyssa was here when I opened it, and I like, couldn't, I was like, you read it. Um, did you share that on social media? Did I? That? I think you shared something. You said that you got some message from someone that uh-huh. is very special to you when they got the book. Yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot of special messages since the book. People really start opening up once you have the courage to say, I'm also messed up. But anyway, the point, depressed. So if I was just depressed and I just wanted to die. (laughs) That's it. Right. And now I go to therapy and now I'm done. I've been in therapy for a year. You're good. Goodbye. Well, now I don't. I'm not going to go, hey, Natalie, so you're in real estate. Yeah, I'm in real estate. Hey, what do you do, Sharon? Well, hey, I, I work with doctors, and I have a media company, and I was depressed. <laughs> and you'd be like, what the hell? Like, what why are you telling me this? Yeah, I know. So there's no community mm-hmm. around. It's not to, So I know that there's mental health places, whatever, NAMI, there are um, support groups mm-hmm. where they meet like once a week. But man, I for like 15 years, I went to AA mm-hmm. every day because I would wake up feeling messed up. I woke up and I was like, I hate my life. <laughs> and then I would go to a meeting and I'd be around people that also felt bad or good or it was perspective because somebody else had it way worse and you just think oh my god I should just be grateful for what I have one hour every day that's that's a life that I wouldn't give up for anything and people don't have that Mm -hmm. that are just going through issues with their kids or their husband or you know like you even me becoming a stepmom I wrote this in the book right like because my whole life and I wanted to kind of show how I just think there's support groups for everything Because there's this wonderful support group that I've been in since I was 21. I was like, 
support groups for women dating somebody with a kid. <laughs> support groups for somebody that might be a wife that has a child by somebody else that I have to live with the rest of my life. Well, there's support groups on Facebook now for everything. Like, I'm in two support groups for parents with speech-delayed and autistic children. And that's wonderful. And I didn't know I needed that until yes. I was in there. That's right. And I was like, holy shit, that's these people exactly say the it. same thing. Yes, I and then you didn't feel so alone. Yeah, oh yeah, I felt very alone but once you joined you didn't feel so alone right exactly and then all it was normalized right am i right oh yeah okay so there's like 10,000 of them and it's a it's not just it's like a world group it's from people all over the world all over the world so there is a convention um a world convention Mm -hmm. in ironically detroit this year in july (laughs) where i blacked out and stayed for two years (laughs) They're celebrating me there, I think. It's not to do with me. But it's called a world convention. So the people even that are in Detroit, Michigan, have no idea how many hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world will be in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, well, they need it. Well, they, they do need it. Yes, they, they need it. But because we all, you know, relate to each other. And it's just sad to me that there isn't more of that. Well, people can start their own support groups, can't they? They can. Yeah. Yes. Like, you don't have to seek out a counselor to lead your support group you to don't. just be there for one another. You don't. And I think that's maybe an old stigma where you, like, oh, you can't talk about this stuff until we have the doctor in right. the room mm. because you don't know how to interact with each other. Meanwhile, all you're doing mm-hmm. at your meetings is just sharing what it is about you, you know, who you are. There's no uh, professionals. I mean, there, and there are, right? Yeah, but, but nobody's going, hi, I'm an alcoholic and a doctor. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> You know, right. you might be one, but we don't know because we don't even know your last name. Right. It like, doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like with my mom's club, we're a support group. We're actually moms is moms offering moms support. That's wonderful. It's Moms Club International. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be there for each other. It's not really about the kids. Mm-hmm. It's about us supporting support, each yeah. other. But well, we all need support. Especially when you're That's a awesome. new mom and mm-hmm. you don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You need somebody else who's also a mom to like just talk to. Like We used to mm-hmm. text each other at 2 o'clock in the morning, some of us, who just mm-hmm. had babies. And we're like, are you up? Yeah. You know, miserable, whatever. Well, you can say the same thing about entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. You don't feel better about what you're doing unless you're around them. Right. Then you're like, oh my God, you too? Like, I you want to kill all your clients? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's talk about it so I don't kill yeah. them. You just fired the five people you put under contract <laughs> last month, so all of those commissions are dead because uh-huh. you just had to tell them all to take a walk. Yeah. Yeah. But so there should be for everything. But it has to be like nobody being in charge is the best part. So I started seeing how like, so I work with doctors. So I go to medical conferences and I would sit and listen to a panel of experts. I'm doing bunny ears. That, you know, doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist. And here's me, the drug addict and the alcoholic (laughs) sitting in the audience thinking everything that they're saying is bullshit. Yeah. Because... They've never been through it. So how are you going to tell me what it's like when you haven't been there? Well, yeah, I and mean, we all feel that way about something. Like, Absolutely. We don't want to talk to or listen to people who don't know what it's like. It's like talking to this tweaked pine on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, definitely those things need to change. 
it needs to change immediately. Like we were in St. Pete yesterday and I won't say who it was, but he was the president of something. And uh, we go into these meetings talking more about transparency and like, we want to really help this community because we think there's issues with mental health and the healthcare system the way it is currently and people aren't getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. And then he says, well, I had a scare of cancer at the beginning of the year and I can't believe that you guys are here talking about this because I now want to focus on mental health because if my mental health wasn't right, I wouldn't have been able to work towards getting better as a cancer patient and now I'm cancer free. But he wouldn't have been able to have that conversation. He's been the president of something that's very big in a community until he had that experience. Oh, yeah. So now he has empathy. Right. So when you have empathy for somebody else, you can relate better and help more. And I think also we need to understand that we're all relating on different levels, and that's okay. Totally. Like we don't mm-hmm. all have to be in the same club. It doesn't have to be that you're a drug addict or alcoholic. It could be that you're the child of an insane person. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Because it's just talking about the things that mess you up freely. So we don't feel so alone. Otherwise, we internalize them. We internalize them, then what do we do? Mm-hmm. We eat too much. <laughs> we drink too we much. We drink too much. We, you know, so there has to be an outlet. And the more people talk about it freely, the more opportunity to give everybody else to feel okay. And that's why I started doing it, especially in business, because I was told, because I've been a boss since I was in my 20s, and I don't mean like a boss. I mean like the boss. <laughs> I was the boss. So as the boss... At New York Medical, I wasn't going to stand up in front of 250 people that I was leading and go, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, but I'm in charge of you. Right? Like, that's just dumb. So I was told, you never share your personal stuff in business. And then I heard that again when I moved here. You don't share. And then I was like, well, there was really something wrong with this because when I do share my personal stuff in business, Mm -hmm. I actually do better in business. Yeah. Because now we're being real, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we just talked about that. Like, you have to be honest with who you are. Yeesh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not really doing the best that you can in your business if you're not showing everybody who you are. Yes. That was something a coach said to me, God, a long time ago. And he was like, you know, you're getting the appointment Mm -hmm. while you're on the phone because you're being on top of them and you're showing them who you are. Don't disappoint when you get to the house and be all, oh, okay, and and agree with them on everything. Like, mm-hmm. you have to keep showing them who you are. Mm-hmm. And then that I that stick the stuck with me. Like, it, it travels into my media now. It mm-hmm. travels into this podcast. Mm-hmm. It travels into everything that I do. I literally remind myself that I have to keep showing people who I am because that's the best that I can be. That's right. Yeah. And I think a lot of us would just pull back. Yes. Because we're afraid. Or we think people won't agree. Like, that's a bad thing. And the thing is, it don't matter. Yeah. Journey if you do and journey if you don't. Like, let them disagree. Yes. Not everybody's going to agree with you. You're not a $100 bill. Yeah. Everybody's going to pay. So, just be you. I got to say that it wasn't until I wrote that book that I sitting in this room where we are now where I spent five days like completely traumatized (laughs) reliving my life I forgot like who I really was I forgot that all the things that I overcame 
So I'm certainly not going to allow anybody else to dictate how my life is going to go because I shouldn't be here. So when you have suffered through some severe adversity, many different ways, you don't start, like, you don't care anymore what other people think. Because you know you're doing the right thing, and you're being honest and true, and little things don't matter anymore. Right. You know? I got asked a lot, aren't you afraid of what people will think when you start telling them this? I, no. Yeah. <laughs> aren't you afraid that, you know, doctors won't want to work with you? No. Yeah. I wouldn't want to work with them if they thought any less of me. So I introduce it right away now. Yeah. Because the only way to remove stigma of anything mm-hmm. is to talk about it. That's it. Like mental health. Like stop taking my book and turning it over <laughs> because it says mental health. <laughs> it's a weird thing, but people do it. I watch it. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. But they don't want anybody to think that they might have something. Yeah. Well, especially in the mom world, they, nobody want, you don't want anyone to think that you're struggling being a mother. Oh, it's so crazy. Like, like how on you any not level, struggle? They don't want you. To, <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone I mean, is struggling. They don't want you Especially to when you struggle. have to work and take care of the kids and yeah. take care of the house. I mean, yeah. It's a girl, struggle. Tell me. I mean, struggling in being in a relationship, struggling to be married, struggling to be engaged, struggling to plan a wedding, struggling to. I mean, everything, it's a struggle. (laughs) Everything is a struggle, right? And then we have to have people in our life that care about us enough to tell us the truth. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, I know who to call when I want to get what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. But I know who to call when I want to get what I need to hear. And that is, you know, the same person I've called for 23 years now. She will kick my ass, and I'm scared to death of her. No, I'm kidding. I love her. But, you know, you have to have uh, somebody in your life that really... Knows your patterns, right? So we can all take a look at ourselves and see where we're wrong. I always say I'm the problem because it does always end up being me. It's like, shit. Oh, it's my <laughs> fault. I'm the problem because I'm not okay with how you live your life or I'm not accepting of this. So, But I've been taught all that in this program. I wasn't taught that in my life. <clears throat> no, I was taught that. You're never the problem. It's always somebody else. Right. <laughs> That's how I was raised. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Never you. It's yeah. always You're other people. You're just a victim. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Victim of circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And then they don't see it like that. Right. So it's hard to come out of that and be like, okay, what is it about me that I really want to change? Mm-hmm. And I had to do that. Mm-hmm. I think I had to do that right before I had or probably when I had Dominic, I was like, I can't fucking be this person anymore. I can't be this upset, angry, frustrated person because of other people who make me this way. Right, because nobody can make you that way. Right. Well, and I have to keep putting my foot down again and again and being like, nope, we're not talking again. Mm -hmm. And... from back in the day, you don't you don't do that. You don't tell these people you're not talking to them. You don't block them. You don't tell them you're not talking to them. You don't. It doesn't happen ever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, what are you gonna do about it? Let's see what happens mm-hmm. when I do it. Guess mm-hmm. what? Nothing. You know what happened? I'm happier. Yeah. I'm nicer. I have more patience. My business grows. So, well, the hardest thing in the world to change is ourselves. 
Well, yeah, but that you is can't, the hardest thing. You can't do it though until you're like ready to face yourself. Like you have to be ready to face yourself you in order to change yourself. You can't just say I'm this and I'm that, and you will be it. Like you have to work on it, and that was scary for me. And I pretty much did it on my own because I didn't really know that there were other people out there who would support it. There's a lot of people out there. Yeah, that will support. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the broken road to mental health. That's and what it's about. I think that more people should talk about it. But I have empathy for people that don't want to. Yeah. Because, you know, you'll just keep the rest of the world sick. That's fine. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, but I am. But it is. It's frustrating because in business especially, that it, that's really what, what cut me down. Like, I was like, wow. If you told somebody that, like, your kid was a heroin addict or that your daughter suffered from depression, you would connect more on a human level. And people want to do business with people they like. Yeah. So when we're more ourselves, we will connect with the right people. But if we pretend that everything is good and everything's okay and everything's perfect, right. the people that actually are authentic and have done work on themselves are going to see right and through. Well, they always will see it. Yeah. That's why I always say be genuine. I mean, yes. I, you know me, I'm like I was telling you, people ask Kevin, does she really wake up that happy every morning? <laughs> and that chipper, he's like, truly, I do. Yeah, but when I get mad or sad, I, I, I don't hide it. Because, yeah. you know, I just always try to have, you know, I've always been that way. I have to try. I know people say, really, you're that happy all the time. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I've always been that way. But trust me, when I'm sad or upset, you will, you will know. You will know about it. And yeah. I have no problem yeah. about it because, I mean, but people, are human most, beings. But most people are not that way. Most right. people. So I get what people get. Yeah. Like, really? Well, people that, like, I just read about a Pinellas County sheriff that died by suicide. And it's the oh same gosh. story all the time. I, we had no idea. We had no idea. We had no idea. Well, guess what? When somebody wants to die, mm-hmm. they're not telling you. Right, right, right. But there has been an environment created where it's not okay for you to talk about it, whether it's at work or at home or wherever. So we need to create environments now where it's okay to talk about Absolutely. what's really Especially going on. Especially with them because, you know, I, this is my opinion. I mean, I have friends in the police police force but what I what I see is like I mean you can lose your job so they're afraid to lose their job so they don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. and it's not I mean I don't think it's right no things need to change and they're not going to change until we all just start talking about you it need just to get no help, other way you know what I mean so we're talking about it. We're talking and about it. And there you it. go. We've talked it to death. we talked it to death. Exhausted. Listen go to find <laughs> the broken road to mental health. Where can we find it? Is it on Amazon? Amazon. Amazon. Uh, or my husband would rather you go to my website and buy it. But please don't. Go to Amazon. It's easier. Yeah, but it's quicker. No, because then I would have to like ship it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't have time. I have two businesses. I want you to go to Amazon. Or listen to it for free on the podcast, thedoctorwhisperer.com. Look for The Broken Road to Mental Health and Life in a Business. And if you know somebody that has a problem and you're afraid to tell them, but you know they need help, just buy them the book. Oh, just give them the book. Just give them the book. They'll relate. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I might have to look at this. Yeah. And there's some really good business tips in there. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I mean, no matter what, it's you will enjoy listen, you know, listening or reading it. 
You will enjoy my pain, so enjoy it. I'm kidding. You laugh and you're like, you know. Please, I married a man, married an amazing man. I moved yeah, to Florida by myself. Amazing. I have two businesses. I was on sales to the dress. I didn't have to pay for anything because I negotiated everything because I was on a TV show. <laughs> so life is good amazing. today. Yeah, life I is keep very forgetting good. about say yes. Could you forget? Dress. That's what everybody remembers. It's the weirdest thing. People are like, oh my, like forget everything I told you. Like I'd be like suicide. To like you were on say yes to the dress. <laughs> yes. Did you have to pay for it? Yes, <laughs> I did. Family ties. It's a good episode. <laughs> That's what it's called. All right, thanks, Natalie. Thank you. You Bye. rock.